0: This is SASTER's Founders Favorite series, where you can hear some of the best of the best from SASTER speakers. This is where the cloud meets. Feeling the blues after all the great content from SASTER Annual 2019 has come and gone? Join us in Paris for SASTER Europa, coming up June 12th and 13th. Use the code FAVE15 and get 15% off. Just for tuning in. Up today, Zendex founder and CEO, Mikkel Spawn. So Mikkel, um, it's been an amazing quarter for you. Um, and recently you announced plans to reach about a billion of revenue next year. Seems like you should... Uh, sh- <laughs>
1: 2020, easy. Next year? Easy, easy. Oh yeah, next
0: year. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. to, hate to break it to you. Um, <laughs> how's that going?
1: No, it's fantastic. Uh, fantastic. Zendesk, uh, we uh, had our uh, Q4 in 2018 earnings call yesterday. We ended just shy of $600 million in uh, revenue for the year. We had a $700 million run rate, close to $700 million run rate right now. We guided towards 800 for 2019, uh, so we feel very confident, increasingly confident about getting to a, a billion dollars in revenue by 2020, and that's going to be a fun milestone. You know, I still remember getting to 10,000 uh, and 100,000, so it, it'll be it'll be an amazing, uh, amazing milestone.
0: What do you think are some of the biggest challenges facing any SaaS company today? Or what do you think has changed since you started about 10 years ago?
1: Everything, everything. Um, I, first and foremost, like, do we have any kind of European SaaS startups here today? <laughs> oh, There's plenty. Yeah. First and foremost, you guys are so spoiled. You know, <laughs> like 10 years ago, I tell you guys, kids, that was a very... Very different uh, back then. Uh, and I think it's one of these things that you, sometimes you forget how quickly things have uh, developed. Like, even just like the notion was cloud going to be kind of the future. Like, that wasn't something that was a fact 10 years ago. There was still a lot of people who told us, like, oh, you need to build on-premise software and this cloud thing. You know, you can't really, can't really you know, it's not a certain thing yet, et cetera, et cetera. Like, this This model of trialing and buying your software, that doesn't doesn't make any sense. You know, you stop that. So, like, it was a very, very different environment back then. And when you build your software, you had nothing. You know, we started, we had to build everything from scratch. How our web server, how we handle emails, how we, you know, build our customers, all these different things. Like, we had to build the entire stack ourselves, and we ran it on our own hardware in somebody's, you know, basement. Not like today where like you can get the entire stack, you can combine the entire stack and you have everything running on AWS in in no time. So very, very different back then. And like, you know, being just a little bit different back then was being very different. Like like today, it's much harder. Like differentiating yourself today, so much harder. But what we have seen is that part of differentiating yourself today is also providing a different customer experience. Um, And we've been very fortunate about being a company that helps companies providing a fantastic customer experience and, you know, fortunate enough to work with a bunch of you guys and helping you provide that customer experience.
0: Um, You mentioned, you know, how things have changed. Obviously, customers are always somewhat demanding, but how are you seeing your customers' demands have changed and how has demand for customer experience changed over time?
1: Yeah, it is funny to think of, like, 10 years ago, what a different world it was. Like, I remember when, you know, in the 90s, when I came to Silicon Valley, you had, like, you printed, you had, like, maps, physical maps, and that's how you found your, your places you had to go. And, like, you had to agree on a meeting at a special time at a special place because, you know, no, not everybody had cell phones, et cetera. So if you think about just over the last 10 years, how much have changed because now we all have, like, you know, smartphones and we have uh, the maps going with us everywhere and everybody's GPS and everybody's reachable all the time. Uh, It's a completely different world. And like our expectations as consumers to the services we're using are also completely different because like things are so easy for us in so many ways. Like we can order anything anywhere and like it's, it's here instantaneously. You know, if I want to sit down and have a pizza in a car while streaming, I don't know what, I can do that. Like, everything is instantaneously available. And that's also changing our expectations to to business software. Like, business software used to be terrible. I think we guys, you guys, we've all helped change that. And now the bar is just so much higher. You know, like, businesses have very different expectations to the kind of software they put in their business. They want to be agile. They want to be quick. They want to see results. They don't want to train a thousand people. They want to get them up and running instantaneously. They don't want to have like a big manual to read. They don't want binders and instructions. They just want to make things intuitive, easy, so people can hit the ground running and focus on the business, focus on the customers. And like, that's such a different mindset to how it was 10 years ago. Like business software back then was like two year projects. Everybody had to be trained and go to school. And and like, you know, like the good old days of SAP, you know, like everything just took forever. Um, And, like, that is not the world we're in today, and businesses are not going to accept that going forward. They need to be able to take these things in and out the same way we do with our uh, consumer services, with our consumer apps. And I think that's fascinating. That's fascinating. It's been fascinating being part of that giant change in, you know, I say just 10 years because it feels like yesterday. Uh, But it's really like the world has truly changed.
0: And you mentioned very briefly kind of the demand for on-premise. So obviously, that's not really so relevant today. What kind of role do you think the rise of the public cloud has played and how important is that for SaaS companies today?
1: Again, like, uh, like the, the, the public clouds, AWS, who is the, the, the dominant leader, they can just provide an infrastructure and a, and a platform for companies to move really, really quickly. So if you are a startup today, like what we spent like nine months, 12 months building initially, you could do that in like three weeks today. You can get up and running so ridiculously quickly today. So that's less kind of the differentiation is less about kind of the idea and the concept and so on. It's much more the execution of your business and kind of the results you bring to the business out of the gates. The public clouds is a, is, has become kind of a, It's become a weapon of choice, not only for for new startups, but also for more and more kind of established businesses. Um, And we are seeing, like, platform shifts from, you know, how they traditionally run their infrastructure and their services and business to uh, seeing them run that stuff on AWS. Um, And I think think the real opportunity here is that, like, like these public clouds, they can be the ultimate kind of dream for how we want to, you know, cooperate and, and have all these applications work together. Because like, why do we all need to maintain our own APIs and all these different things if we're all like on the same infrastructure and can use native services to have data flow seamlessly between applications? And that's, that's part of how we think in this And our promise also to a new generation of developers, new generation of companies, is that if you build on AWS, we will make it incredibly easy for you to have to use data coming out of the senders portfolio of systems, but also make it easy for you to collaborate with applications uh, that we have built. So we think that the public cloud can be a paradigm shift and it's the beginning of a new cloud generation uh, where it's less about, you know, just getting your infrastructure out of your basement and more about like really taking benefit from having this worldwide uh, phenomenon that basically can connect connect all of us people and all of our data.
0: So lots of exciting developments with Zendesk in the last year. Um, the acquisition of Base, now the launch of your new CRM platform, Sunshine.
1: Sunshine, yes.
0: <laughs> we could do with some of that in here. Um, <laughs> tell us a bit more about it. Why now? Do we need another platform? What, what's the motivation?
1: <laughs> I think we need a new generation platform. Like, I think we're sick and tired of the old vendor login platforms like you know, you know, just because a vendor, a company, comes and say, like, you can build everything on our platform, and, and you know, that can help. It, it, like, it locks you into that vendor, and everything will happen at the pace of that vendor. I think that thinking about the cloud infrastructure as your platform, and that's really our ambition with Sunshine, is to say that we're going to provide a lot of components, a lot of, of helping stuff, a lot of infrastructure, a lot of reference stuff, but, like, you should think about the public cloud as your platform. And instead of retraining your developers on building for this and that platform and using these and those APIs and libraries, just train them on the public clouds and on AWS. And you can kind of run so much faster and stay true to your business and actually work in an environment that is familiar. So that is our big bet. That's how we think kind of the future of enterprise technology is going to be built. And that's going to, that's going to live up to the expectation of businesses today that don't want lock-in, that want to be agile, that want to move quickly, and want to stay relevant for their customers. It's it's one of the biggest challenges today that like it's so hard to stay relevant for your customers. Businesses are coming and going at a crazy pace because we're not we don't stay relevant to our customers. Once we get to a certain size, we become slow. We become you know, outdated, we've become hard to satisfy the needs of our becomes harder for us to satisfy the need for our customers. So giving businesses today the tools to stay agile, stay relevant, to be able to continue to run quickly, I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be critical for for a new generation of businesses.
0: So do you think that's the opportunity for all of next-generation SaaS companies? And you've spoken a bit about what's driving it, but do you yep. think anyone who doesn't jump on that bag and dragging is going to be left behind? I
1: think we're still in the very early phase of redefining all of you know, enterprise uh, technology out there. Like, you know, we, there's still a tremendous amount of companies who spend all their money on Oracle, on SAP, on you know, out, a lot of outdated technology, and like, they're locked in and they can't move anywhere. Um, And it's hurting the business and it's hurting the customer experience and it's ultimately hurting us as consumers. I think we have an opportunity to provide these businesses with a new set of much more agile technology that doesn't lock them in, that makes it so much easier for them. And ultimately, I think that will help these businesses be much better, much more successful. It will help them provide a much better customer experience and always keep up to uh, the expectations of the customers. And ultimately, I think it would be good for for people. It would be good for us as consumers that the business that we're dealing with are, are able and can provide us with a great experience. I think we've all experienced that where like a large organization becomes so big that suddenly they're, they're, the, the the product experience, the customer experience just becomes terrible. But now they're so big, it's actually hard to move away from them. We've all tried that with, you know, our... Phone providers, our cable providers, our internet providers—all these—at some point, you know, like the sexiness of the application or the service goes away, and the, the the customer service, the customer experience becomes terrible. But now it becomes like super hard to move away from them. And I think that's one of the things we have an opportunity as businesses today provide a new generation of technologies that can make these businesses stay relevant.
0: So when you started out, you spoke a lot about the differentiator being Zendesk's focus on user experience. You know, that's what the key selling point was. Yeah. Do you think that's enough of a differentiator today? Is just solely focusing on UI going to make a new SaaS company stand out? And is <laughs> it enough for you to stand out?
1: Well, I think a fantastic user experience is a uh, table stakes today. Like you, like, you can build the smartest product in the world if you don't make it slick, easy super, uh, like, beautiful and relevant for your customers, forget about it. It's like your phone apps, you know? If it looks like a piece of bricks, you know, like, you're not going to use it. Um, and, and I think that's, that's, the, that, that's kind of, it's, it's table stakes, it's a new bar for, um, for uh, apps today is that they have to be super easy, intuitive uh, to use. So. I think the the ease of use now goes beyond just the user experience it goes on like to what extent does this log us in? to what extent is it easy to get you know, developers to work on it to what extent is it easy to scale it? you know like just scaling software we have opportunities to scale software from very small implementations to very large implementations due to cloud technologies today, and that's kind of that, that ease of use is going to be important for that whole kind of life experience around the product and not just kind of how does it look in the interface. So I think there's a new, there's a new kind of front, there's a new battleground for ease of use, if you will.
0: And you have a stellar roster of customers. Um, how do you think some of those, to name a few, like Slack or MailChimp or Zero? how do you think those SaaS companies stand out today?
1: Yeah, I think these, like, so that's one of the things that have been, amazing in our journey (laughs) is that we have worked with like the coolest companies in the world. You know, all these companies that have completely changed how we do, how we, you know, do stuff today. Companies like Uber and companies like Slack, as you say, and MailChimp and, you know, uh, Shopify, uh, Pinterest and Netflix, all these uh, Postmates, all these like all these new generation of services. And we work with these kind of companies all over the world. Uh, and that we have learned so much from that. But even I think for these guys, they all know that it's the ease of use, it's the, it's the transparency of the applications, it's the responsiveness, and it's the empowerment to the user that ultimately is going to make these uh, companies successful or not. And it's obvious that these guys know that the, the experience and the, the ease of use of the applications is critical to kind of their success. Uh, so it's been, it's been a fantastic for us to have the opportunity, the privilege to work with these amazing companies They've really shaped us as a company. Um, and it's also obvious that they have set a new standard for how we as consumers expect to do stuff. Like when I, when my kids, they are roofless, roofless in how they use applications. If it's not like, you know, on their iPads and their phones, if they have games and stuff they're using, if it's not good, they're just not going to use it. If it's not like, Engaging and super easy. Like, they're not going to use it. And they don't think two seconds about it. And I think that's the, that's the next generation of consumer. The next generation of consumer is going to be ruthless. If things are not fantastic, they're not going to use the ship
0: keep the level high (laughs) so for a lot of people sitting in in this audience they're probably where you were 10 years ago thinking about how to get to that first 100k of mlr and kind of starting out if you can take yourself back to that point given all the trends you're describing in the industry and where we are what would be the few pieces of advice that you i would
1: i would quit whatever i'm doing and i would take this job with this fantastic company called senders but no (laughs) it's you know it's you know you know how it is the early days of a startup that they are they're, they're frightening, you know because like there's a lot of things about building a startup today, like the funnel model, that customer acquisition kind of uh, principles that we didn't have ten years ago, like we thought like all the customers we got initially on like that paid monthly, i we had this constant fear that tomorrow they would all be gone, uh, that they would that we actually retain these customers and that we could that we could predict our retention of these customers um, was not like, that wasn't common knowledge back then. Um, and so it's like, the ter- the, the living with the terror of like, you don't know who's gonna pay your salary in six months uh, and who's gonna take, you know, who's gonna support your family, all these things. Like the terror of living with that is terrible, you know, in the early days of building a company. And then you have the amazing part, you know, that you learn all these amazing things and you're like trying to push the boundaries and the envelope for everything and you're out there at the forefront of innovation and meeting all these cool people and doing all these cool stuff and working with cool companies. And that's fantastic. So you have to live with this dilemma constantly. You also know that you're probably going to (laughs) fail. Realizing that you're probably going to fail is probably what helps you succeed in the end. If you're unrealistic about your own mortality, (laughs) you're not going to truly live, you know? It's not until you realize that you die that you're actually going to (laughs) live. Sorry, this is very dark, very dark suddenly. No, but I think that like realizing that your company can be gone tomorrow or, you know, next month or next year, that is what truly kind of gives you the grind to build a successful company. Um, and, but living with that dynamics of the early days of building a company, was terrible, terrifying.
0: And when you started out, did you worry a lot about competition and more so today or less so today?
1: I think we worried a lot about the market. Like we didn't, like, we, there was so many people who told us, like, do, like, don't go into anything remotely around customer service. Nobody's going to pay any money there. And all the innovation has been done that was kind of the, the 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 common sense you know like um, i can name a few vcs <laughs> that told us that <laughs> and one day i will but so like we didn't worry too much about like comp- competition we worried about the market was it truly a market um, and of course like as you grow a company you 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 have to navigate like what is the what are the other players in the market and there's always competition one way or the other i think the most interesting competition is kind of the, the companies that are trying to redefine the market, redefine the playing field. Um, and and these are the kind of things that is uh, that is both inspiring and scary.
0: So um, we're almost running out of time. If you had one thing to leave the audience with, other than the fact that they might all fail and die, um, <laughs> <laughs> let's might leave them with something a bit more positive. <laughs> what, what do you want to say? Other than apply to Zendesk. No, but I
1: think it's like, you know, like think about what a fantastic journey this is. Like you're on a journey now with your second fund or your first fund, your second fund. Um, and a lot of you guys on your initial journey with your startup, with your, with your company, I really appreciate this time of your life because like outside of this little, little bubble we call Silicon Valley and some places in Europe, et cetera, nobody, so few people have this opportunity. Uh, so you, re- regardless of how you're doing with your company, you're going to learn so much from this. And I think it's important to think about it, first and foremost, as a big learning experience.
0: I think we have time for just one more question that's just occurred to me. Hey. So when you started out, who were your role models in the industry and how has that changed today? Which companies do you look to and really aspire to what they're building?
1: Whew. Um, I don't think we had that many role models back then, you know, I think... I think as an industry, if you're building enterprise cloud software today, I think we all owe a lot to Salesforce. You know, even though we also, everybody's competing with them, we owe a lot to them for kind of starting the cloud trend. Uh, and back then, they were more or less the only company. Um, so I think there's a lot fewer, you know. It was fun back then in San Francisco. 10 years ago, it was fun. Like all this, you, could, you met all the other cool founders on the streets and so on. That was fun. When I say all the other cool founders, I mean, You met all the cool founders on the street.
0: (laughs) Miguel, thank you so much. It's been a
1: pleasure. Thanks, everybody.